Hello, Bears fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Bears on Tap. No Quentin today, unfortunately. Our friend Q is uh, is off on some travels to the East Coast, has a wedding this weekend. I hope him and his, his uh, lovely bride have a good weekend. So it is myself and the Juice Man. I am Ron Luce. Uh, Juice, buddy. It feels like we just did this. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I just retweeted the uh, the link for it, and I said I'm a sucker for podcasts. You know, I mean, especially with you, Rod, it's the Juice and Loose show. Today Absolutely. here on Bears on Tap, we're going to play this or that. You could get this, or you could get that. Right? And then uh, we'll have a little fun talking about the uh, 1920 football uh, drive um, new episode that came out, because I think that there's some – Fun connection things for the draft. I think like Quentin, when he's on the show, always covers like every single prospect. Like he's he's our prospect guy, right? He's in and out of that. I would like to myself as the Bears on tap kind of fan slash theorist. Like I think I'm that type of guy that's going to uh, try to read the tea leaves on on the front office before I try to dive in on you know knowing prospects. So while we play this or that, I'm definitely going to, you know, have some takes regarding, you know, which guy I I like better, but -hmm. it's going to be a lot of uh, who I think the Bears are probably going to pick based on reports and things we've heard um, because I've been following pretty closely in terms of that. I just want to let everybody, like, I'm not cute. And I don't, I don't ever try to be cute. Being more or less like I'm going to try to do the best I can to talk about, more or less, like I, I am more of like the X's and O's team guy, like strategery while the games are going on. So I'm going to be really good for that. But the draft, and I've said it on the show, like bores the hell out of me. Like nobody, it's it's like spinning a wheel. And I know you guys spit, spun a wheel last time, but like, sure did. I don't know. I, it's just not, it's not my forte. You know what I mean? Matt, it's not my Matt forte. But um, yeah, I'm going to uh, do my best to, you know, provide some insight with these prospects and some things I've heard and some things that I like as I've watched a little bit of tape on the names that we're uh, going to go through here. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it's fun to, to kind of, I think that's why uh, this Bears on Tap crew makes sense. Uh, you got Q, who is absolutely our prospect guru, prospect wizard. Uh, the guy knows football, so he really, really functions as, as our internal scout here at Bears on Tap and really at On Tap Sportsnet as a whole. And then you got Juice, you know, your your theorist, as you said, buddy, and you know, kind of give you that that spin and kind of that other side of the coin. Um, and I feel like I'm just kind of a, a down the middle guy again, play having played the sport, look at it a little bit of a different way, come to X's and O's and different things like that. And um, you know, just bring some of that, I think, as an added flair to the show. We got a we got a good group here, and it's gonna be a fun season. And uh really we're starting with uh, all this draft coverage, and we're gonna get to that here in a second, buddy. But let, let's talk about that 1920 football drive episode. Um, you were able to watch it before today's show. I was not, so uh, I am actually excited to go back and watch it, especially after the conversation you and I are about to have uh, we talked a little bit in the, uh, in the pre-show obviously in order to, uh, to prep here for today but I mean hit me with it buddy I mean talk us through kind of what the what the episode entailed and and what were your biggest takeaways from it and and what some of that ideology that you kind of hinted at uh are you're going to bring to our this or that discussion for the rest of the episode so first thing, um, I, I got muted there for a second. You can hear me, right, buddy? I can hear you. You're good. Some odd reason. I don't know why. But um, 
so yeah, first uh, we'll get into the vegetables before we get into the meat and potatoes here. Like I feel like the vegetables of that that 1920 was a lot about you know DJ Moore coming in and and having the tour of the city and and hanging out with you know Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool and Justin Fields. They they showed them when they went to the Bulls game yep. uh, against the Sacramento Kings and were able to uh, you know be in the box and have some team bonding and it showed you know his first reaction to the. Um, Overall, Chicago coming in to see the the facilities, to see you know the players, to meet guys. That was that was more or less like that part of the episode. But now, as we get like into the the meat and potatoes, the whole interesting thing to me was listening to the war room that the Bears had and the thought process behind trading that number one pick. And, you know, Ryan Poles went into depth talking about how some teams were more aggressive than others. Some came right in the beginning, like Carolina, which they kind of hinted at in, in, in the episode, and had, you know, were highly motivated to get their quarterback of the future, to control the draft, to have that number one pick. And, and that's the one that kind of stayed with. But he did hint that there were other offers, there were other teams that were you know, very much in on the negotiations and they thought that was the best deal. And then they were able to bring in, you know, a guy like DJ Moore, who they were able to, you know, add to the salary cap, get above that salary cap floor, because that was a big, uh, you know, need to have before this off season was over. And now it's kind of worked into the draft and listening to them talk about DJ Moore. They talked a lot about like getting off the line and his speed compared to the average and they said within the, the average of getting off of the ball was like one, two or one, three in terms of getting into their route. DJ Moore was like under one. That was something that they very much like looked at as a plus. And now that kind of gets my brain turning. Cause as you know, Ron, and you've been on plenty of Cubs on tap shows with me. I love to put the tinfoil hat on per se and talk about what's going on. So then you start to do some back ticking. And within this episode, they talked about a lot of analytics. We're going to get real nerdy right here, Ronald. We're going to get into some analytics. <laughs> we're going to talk about numbers now. But we're going to talk about processes that now the Bears are kind of installing within their draft war room. Because mm -hmm. I think that there's more that meets the eye than maybe what pre you know previous regimes were doing. You start to look at guys like, you know, when they were under Emery and it seemed like or, got, or under um, Ryan Pace, when it's like the combine and the athletic ability jumped off of the page for guys like Ryan Pace. It always seemed like the first round picks that they were taking were high, you know, long term projects, but had huge upside athletically. You talk about guys like Kevin White and Leonard Floyd, both fit those molds. Mr. Trubisky, in a lot of ways, didn't have the 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 makeup college when you look at the terms and number of games, but he had the traits, right? You talk about the arm. You talk about being able to move. Now I feel that the Bears, there's a changing in the weather, a changing in the guard of where they're thinking. And I think in a lot of ways they're going to use – a man that they hired out of MIT, and I'm blanking on it right now. I'm sorry that 
I don't remember his name, but I'll tell you right now, in the middle of this war room conversation that the Bears gave access to, Ryan Poles really asked for his opinion and said, hey, like, what do you think about this? What are you seeing with, with DJ Moore? And it starts to make me wonder, are the Bears very much looking at the analytical side? Because then he goes on and talks about how evaluating players and evaluating futures and looking at the salary cap and players as a whole down the line and saying, we think this guy could be here by this point. And this is where our, maybe our contention window starts. And this is where we think he's hitting, you know, the peak of his football career. And he's able to, you know, we're able to get more of a, a, a bargain for the money that we're paying. If it's not through the draft or through free agency, it just seems like there's a changing at Hallis Hall that I think is interesting because if you look over the history of the Bears, I feel like the guys that they've drafted have almost in a lot of ways been combine heroes, right? Mm-hmm. The guys that very much are athletically gifted, but you're hoping to have the football side of it. Now you start to look at more of the analytics and, and say, you know, maybe this guy didn't pop on his pro day, but we feel from watching tape and, and doing the analytical data on his college career that he's much better than what his pro day showed. Mm-hmm. And now we're able to take that information and, and maybe find a diamond in the rough at in the third or fourth round. And I think that the changing in that philosophy is something that maybe we will look back at this draft and go, this was the first draft that we were able to look through the rose colored glasses of a new regime with a new plan and a new idea of how to evaluate players. And, and as you know, Ron, like you would, you build through the draft. Mm-hmm. You very much need to hit in your picks to be successful in the high rounds. And then you supplement those later rounds with guys like you hope, like Antonio Brown, right. Who, maybe fell at the end of at the end of their draft combine process and you're able to find a diamond in the rough that you know is is a guy who can contribute a later round pick but it was just so to listen and, and watch the episode and i very much got like nerded out by like i wonder if there's been a change in scouting in terms of and i want your thoughts on like just a little of that and what you've seen around like football because i i truly very much got the idea that baseball kind of led with this whole saver metrics thing. And now all these other sports are kind of following suit and evaluating more or less like motions opposed to, you know, what they see as a traditional, you know, always six, six, three seventy five. you know what I mean? Like that traditional body type. And now you just start to find players that are maybe like an Island of misfit toys. Like we like to talk about when we talk baseball style and maybe that's, maybe the the route that the bears are going in some ways yeah and and quickly i think it, it the 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 mit grad that is in the front office now it almost it gives me the the peter brand and in moneyball vibes right the kind of mm-hmm. oh he's got a degree from yale he's got a degree from mit why is he here and like I, I think you're starting to see that across all sports, truthfully, Juice, because I agree. I think baseball was the first sport to really – that numbers and data started to help implement decision-making more than just the eye test, right? Because you see it, right? I know I know it's an exaggeration in some movie, but what you see in Moneyball at the scouts table talking about 
Does the guy have a hot girlfriend? Because that means confidence. And does he look like a ball player? That's how shit was done for decades in every sport. And I'm the first person to say that I think it's a load of horseshit. Because just because a guy looks like a ball player doesn't mean he is one. And you see it time and time and time again. And I like what Ryan Poles is doing in the front office with this group. You know, you saw it a little bit in last year's draft. Getting guys that have, you know, good RAS scores, freak athletes, right? You get these athletic freaks that you see where you can develop their game and you see what their trajectory becomes and things like that. And I, I love that. And I think football might be the one sport juice where maybe it's just not as publicized that we use analytics, right? Like you look around the baseball, it's incredibly prevalent, right? Oh, we, we look at numbers, we look at analytics, right? Hockey is starting to have a lot of that nowadays in terms of possession and, and, you know, driving offensive play and things like that for certain players. And it's, it's very well documented, you know, basketball is starting to have it to a little bit of an effect, but I think basketball as a game is still, you need the, just the biggest freak athletes in order to, you know, to, to win games. That's just the nature of the sport. I think football is the one that we're going to really be intrigued to see how the analytics side plays into decision-making. And you noted, right, that timing and and the speed and, you know, your average NFL receiver gets out of their break and into their route in 1.3 seconds, but DJ Moore's doing it in under a second. You know, how does, you know, we, we talk a game of inches, right? When does, when do we start talking about this as a game of tenths of seconds, right? Like, that I think that's where you're going to see the analytics play in. And I'm very intrigued to see how that plays out with, you know, their decision-making on draft weekend, really, and, and how that influences their picks. So I'm glad you were able to watch that, Juice, because I think that is such an interesting thing that really, in, in all truth, for Bears fans, is very a new concept in the front office because the Bears of any franchise in the sport felt like the most archaic and the most behind the eight ball in terms of not being able to stay up with the times. I think that's starting to change now with Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham leading this charge in that front office. So absolutely love to see it, man. Yeah, it's been, it was fun to sit and watch. I urge anybody to go and do that, to go and watch the, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I I think it becomes, I think it's just interesting to evaluate players differently because so much football, right? There's the combine, there's the senior bowl, there's, a bunch of games in college to evaluate and I'm to see, I'm curious to look back at, at this draft and see what the philosophy was for, for Ryan Pauls, because I think in a lot of ways, I know he did make picks last year, but this is his really, in my opinion, with having a high draft pick, it's like his first draft, you know, so you're really going to get a good idea of the type of player that, Ryan Poles likes, and he's trying to. I feel like last year was more or less like, let's just get a team out there. You know, yep. let's. We knew we were going to be. Let's get a team out there. Now it's more strategic, like hole filling. You're trying mm-hmm. to figure out which guy is going to be, you know, a mainstay, a pillar, as we always talk about within this team. So now it's all about finding not the player at nine that fits the best, that fits um, profile for your team, what you want to be in the future. And I think it's going to be really interesting mm-hmm. to look back at this draft and, and get an idea of what his philosophy is and then almost take it into the future with that analytical side 
And as, as Hallis Hall releases the more and more of these episodes, I think we'll get more of an idea. But Ryan Poles, in some ways, like at times he's played things very close to the chest, and at times he's played things very far out in the open. And I think that's interesting. It's an interesting combination of what information he lets out. Because I, I think he's really intelligent. As, yes. as, a, as a human, I think that he knows what he lets out and he knows what the media is going to say about it. And he knows what other teams are going to think about it. I think we finally, maybe, who knows, have a GM that has some of that back of the room moxie that you know a lot of these these great ones have, right? Where they mm-hmm. feel like they're room, where they feel like they're getting a good player, and and the guy in front of them is taking a bad one. You know, that's the that the Bears need to get, and we've never seen that. Well, at least mm-hmm. not for a very long time. I mean, the Lovey era, they they drafted fairly well over that that case, but there were still there were there were misses. But the teams that become dynasties, like you look at at New England. I mean, obviously they had Tom Brady for that run, but they were very much you know the team that built through the draft and hit on their draft picks and never really missed and found players at, at later ends of of the spectrum, later rounds that became starters and that's how you save money. That's how you're able to go out and grab, you know, take more chances on projects opposed to having to play things more close to the vest. And I'm just interested to see like when we get back at this draft and we take a look at it successful or unsuccessful, we'll have a good idea of, you know, Ryan Poles' outlook on the draft and and we'll have a good idea who he's going to pick in the future too, I think. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, man. It's going to be a fascinating process as the draft approaches here over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, we're, we're going to have a front row seat to it. And, you know, we're going to start figuring out what our contents, you know, structure and, and things like that looks like around the draft. Um, but man, oh man, it's going to be a fun one. So I think we're, uh, we're definitely going to be in for a good one. And uh, yeah, like you said, definitely gonna be a lot of insight into what uh, Ryan Poles' draft strategy is as a GM moving forward and in the present as well. And uh, what that kind of along those lines juice, Let's start getting into our game of this or that um, NFL draft style here, as the title of the episode indicates. And we're just going to go down a list. I compiled just a list of guys, similar position players, guys that are probably going to be picked in similar areas of the draft. And given the option, uh, which we would each prefer, um, you know, as things stand. But the first one I want to introduce to you, Juice, because of the nature of the you know, what we just discussed, right. And, and players and analytics and, and, and numbers and things like that and got how guys test. I want to pose the, the first question of this or that at the number nine pick. And it is, do you take an offensive lineman? And this is just general offensive lineman. There is no specific name, at least for this sake of this question. Or do you take a player like JSN Jackson Smith and Jimba, who for all sakes had one of the best receiving combines in recent memory right all of his 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 you know his his shuttle times were fantastic you know his quick speed was on display you know we talk you you mentioned how quickly dj moore gets into a route you know are they are they doing the same process with a guy like jackson you know smith and jimba at number nine so i want to turn that question to you juice first and then i'll also give my thoughts on the matter as well would you take JSN at number nine, given what you know now about what Ryan Poles does in terms of draft strategy? Or do you think they still will look 
to add a, a impact offensive lineman potentially at the pick. I think it's an interesting conversation to have, right? Because by taking JSN, and Q had mentioned this on a, on a previous episode, you can very much dictate coverage that most teams will be in if you're able to put you know four guys out there with that type of, of speed and, and, mm-hmm. and agility. But you're also, too, I come from the old school build through the offensive line, win in the trenches. And the one thing that the Bears did really well with an average offensive line last year, or probably below average if you're looking at you know most analytics, they ran the ball very well. And I think a lot of this becomes what's the identity of the team. You know, are you, are you going to throw it more often because you have playmakers on the outsides like DJ Moore now and Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool? Or are you going to stick to the fact that you very much were able to run the ball at will with some dynamic quarterback runs? You know, I don't think they're going to be doing a lot of that design run for Justin Fields next year. At least I hope not. I hope it's less than it was over the course of you know when they were successful, but I also think, too, that it's win or lose both ways. I think going into each week, it's going to be a, an idea of, of who they're playing and the game plan will dictate when they do run the ball more often opposed to passing. But I think you have to go, in my opinion, at nine. you got to go offensive line. Mm-hmm. You, you just very much don't know what you're getting at the left tackle spot out of Jones. And he was He was fine. Don't get me wrong, but you want that premier left tackle. You really do. You And I know that the Bengals got to the Super Bowl by not taking the left tackle and picking the wide receiver. But in some ways, too, keeping a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields upright and allowing him to take that next step. And I think about finding – Looks like we're having some technical difficulties. Apologies there, ladies and gentlemen. But um, as we look to get Juice back here in just a minute, I have to agree uh, with with everything that Juice was saying here regarding what they're going to do at number nine. I think you have to take an offensive lineman, assuming Cole State's put with the pick, right? Because I think there's still plenty, plenty, plenty uh, of possibility around him you know, trading out of the pick too. And, and we're going to let Juice finish up with his thoughts here uh, in, in just a few minutes once he gets settled in. So I, I agree. I, I firmly agree with Juice here because I think you saw, right, what this Bears team did with a very below average offensive line last season in terms of, you know, being one of the best, you know, or well, I shouldn't even say one of the best, uh, being the best, you know, run offense in the NFL with effectively your three-headed monster of David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, and Justin Fields. Obviously, Montgomery gone now and in Detroit. But you bring in Deonta Foreman, you bring in Travis Homer to kind of shape into this three-headed monster in the backfield as well. You know, it's really going to make for an interesting bit of, you know, kind of running strategy. And I think having that ability for Fields to stand tall in the pocket and actually deliver accurate and consistent passes 
is going to be not only big for, you know, what they want to do in terms of an offensive game plan, but I think just in terms of that next step of Justin Fields as a quarterback. As Scott from Iowa says here in the comments, which is Scott Crawford, I have a feeling a QB falls and they trade back again for a bundle of picks. I completely agree, Scott. I really do. I, I have a I have a nagging hunch that some team is going to fall in love with a player at number nine, and they're going to move up in the draft and they're going to ultimately get their guy. And the Bears are going to be able to fall back a few picks and you know maybe still get a, a JSN or maybe still get one of these premier offensive linemen just a few picks later and, and pick up additional resources as well in the process. And we're going to bring him back in. Hey, yeah, sorry about that, man. I don't no, know if hey. South Bend Cubs are stealing all my internet or what, but uh, hey, yeah, be that crashed out there for a minute. <laughs> no, all good, all good. I was just actually agreeing with you, Juice, uh, about what I think they do. You know, JSN versus offensive line. I agree with you. I think offensive line makes the most sense. Um, and I brought up the fact that I think they really don't stay put with the pick. I think that's something the, that is kind of a wrinkle that you have to consider with number nine, as, as Scott showed here in the comments. Uh, he has a feeling that a QB falls and they trade back in for bundle picks. I don't even think it has to be a quarterback. I think there's going to be some player that makes it to nine that a team falls in love with, and they're they're willing to move some assets in order to go up and go get them. So that is just my two cents on the matter. Anything that you'd like to finish out with your thoughts about O-line versus receiver here with that first pick? No, I just really want to pair that guy on that left side, protect, protecting the back. If it's a left tackle, you know, with, with Justin Fields that he, he trusts. You know, I think that's a huge relationship in terms of, of growth. And like I said, I, I, I look at next year with two draft picks that they're going to be able to, you know, grab two starters within the first round. And I look at next year's wide receiver class, and it's it's also going to be a good one. You know, we've we've talked, you know, at, at Marvin Smith Jr. or Marvin uh, Harrison Jr., um, another guy that maybe they look at for next year um, mm -hmm. as a possibility. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, where this ends up. But I, I do, I think you go with offensive line, and 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 honestly, too, I, I always I wouldn't hate if they went corner either with mm -hmm. a passing league. And a team that that definitely could use some help corner wise, shoring that up, it, it would be refreshing to know that they have that back end locked tight. And then you can, you know, focus on getting some some pass rushers because let's face it, like there probably is going to be a hole, a hole on the defensive line going into next year. And what would really help that defense is if that back, that back seven was just elite locked up because it, it, they're going to be gambling on some bounce-back players slash some really you know young guys mm -hmm. filling that defensive line slot because I think that we've kind of established there really isn't much out there to be had anymore. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's just my, my kind of thought on how I would build this going in to the next two years. Absolutely, and I, I think all valid points and, and, and agree with you on a lot of those as well. So let's get into it. Let's get into the real this or that. Uh, and as mentioned uh, just a bit ago, it's going to be two players uh, that were comparing similar players or at least play a similar position, potentially coming off the board at a similar time. Um, and just, again, if the Bears have an opportunity to get one of these guys, who would you rather have? So, again, completely hypothetical um, before everybody comes at us online and says, why would you take that guy at all? Well, we're just we're, we're playing a little game of this or that. And we're we're going to get right into it. So let's get into it, Juice, because. You and I both agree that O-line probably ranks higher um, with that first pick for the Bears, especially this year over receivers. So let's talk through it. Who would you rather have, Paris Johnson Jr., or would you rather have Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern? 
So I'm a Paris Johnson Jr. fan, very much so. Um, I do like Skaronsky, don't get me wrong. But everything I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, and Ron, I want you to speak on this a little bit because you played the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Is the fact that his arm length is short a true problem for playing left tackle? I The only reason in his case I say yes is because he doesn't make up for it in other facets of his game. So I, I'm, I talked a little bit on, a, on an episode with Q about this too. We, we discussed Skaronsky and, and some of the things I saw in his tape as well. And you can get away with shorter arms as a tackle if you are able to do one of two things. You have really good hips and you're a good hand fighter. Those are the really the two things that you need to be able to have to make up for that lack of length. Because again, defensive linemen are taught to get into you as an offensive lineman immediately. Sure. They're into you, you extend, you keep the that's why they love long defensive ends in the NFL because you can keep that tackle off of you, and that allows you then as a defensive lineman to make your rip move or make your swim move or make your you know your chop, whatever it is. In the same facet, the offensive lineman is doing the same thing. And as a tackle, you can afford to be a little shorter in the arms as long as, you know, when that big, long defensive end tries to get into you, you're able to be able to get rid of the smack or the two hands down and get him down to the ground. It's having that elite quickness in the hands and then the ability that if a guy does get into you, that you can truly anchor yourself and not be worried about being in your quarterback's lap. And I think that's one of the biggest things I noticed with Skaronsky is he reads the game incredibly well. Probably his best asset is how he reads the game. He, he, he identifies stunts before they even happen. And that's that's that in itself is a trait that is hard to find amongst offensive linemen is that quick reaction. But when long defensive ends have gotten into him, he has a hard time anchoring himself and accepting the bull rush. And I think that's why a guy like Skaronsky might struggle at the next level if he plays tackle with that arm length difference. Now, as Quentin has brought up, on more than one occasion here at Bears on Tap, bumping. If you're a team and you really like Skaronsky, I think he's a perfect player to bump inside at the next level because yeah. he is elite in the recognition game. Like to me, if I'm an NFL team and you're willing to use a high draft pick because he's probably still going to go in the top 18, even if he has a little bit of a fall, if you're willing to say he's an interior guy but he's a difference maker on the interior. I, I see a world where a team like the Eagles takes a flyer on him because you can move him inside and play guard if you need him to. And then when Jason Kelsey inevitably is ready to retire, he's smart enough and recognizes the game well enough to be, in my opinion, an elite center at the next level. So I think that's the biggest reason that so many people are concerned about Skronsky playing tackle at the next level is because it's not the necessarily just the arm length by itself. It's the arm length with lack thereof of the elite kind of, I guess, other attributes that an offensive lineman can have to make up for said kind of discrepancy in arm length. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of why I lean PJJ in this. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at where the Bears are at with their interior, and that's why I asked you that question, because I wanted the the confirmation that I wasn't you know, reading bad information about a guy who has small arms. And that's because there's been some conflicting things out there. When you read like having short arms for him, some guys are, are sold on the fact that he still may be able to do it, mm -hmm. which, Absolutely. hey, he may be able to. But at nine, I think you need to take a surefire if you're taking somebody at nine. Agreed. 
And I think PJJ just fits, right? He's big. He's lengthy. Opposed to when you look at this interior, I still want to see Tevin Jenkins at the guard positions. I, I think that they're going to go with a center later in the draft or in the middle rounds. I really do. I think that they're going to try to find somebody, but they're going to try to see what they can get out of Lucas Patrick too. Wouldn't surprise me to see you know, them run that back either. Um, but I think when you look at position-wise, if you could solidify that left tackle and you're able to move Jones over to the right tackle, the line starts to look more complete, mm-hmm. at least more professional than it's been in the last couple of years where you're rotating guys in who are more or less, you know, practice squad plus guys that we like to talk about. Guys that are replacement level, they're good enough, but you're you're not a star. And they were able to run the football with those guys as well, which is interesting to see if you can add a guy who is big like that on the left side, how much better the run game can get. And I think by them not matching, I'm just kind of reading through the tea leaves here. Mm-hmm. By them not matching the hard runner like David Montgomery, I think that they believe in some stature that it won't be as many hard-fought yards as it was in the past. You know, David Montgomery was like getting, you know, getting hit at four, falling forward for seven, you know? Right. I think now we may turn into more like a guy isn't being touched for five because the line is blowing people off the ball. And I think that's kind of when you look at the running back room the way it is right now. There is they did bring in a little bit more speed. And I think that's why they like Khalil Herbert so much, because he is kind of like that shifty breakaway kind of runner. He still can run in between the tackles, but I, I do think that like with seeing what they did from the running back position, I think it kind of could give them an idea of maybe what they're gonna do on the offensive line in the future because Let's face it, like they're going to have to be better in pass pro. And in run, they were good. But now they have – you have a different set of running backs in that room that you very much have to, you know, tailor your game plan and your scheme around. I know Foreman is, is that type of runner that he can get the extra yard or two yards after. So they've – within the aggregate, they've replaced David Montgomery. But I don't know if he's going to get – the same amount of carries as like a, a feature back like David Montgomery mm-hmm. did in the past. So you're, you're going to see a lot of Khalil Herbert and you're probably going to see a lot of Homer on passing downs too, right? You're good. That, yes. that leaking out long third down um, kind of role where he's catching the ball out of the backfield. So yeah, I think that as that changed my offensive line kind of scheme and who they drafted that has changed with it. Yeah. I am. I am also in agreement with PJJ as well. Um, for a lot of the same reasons you said. I do see a world where I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a guy like PJJ and he does play the right side. I think be interesting. I think Braxton Jones does have enough potential to play the left side. He graded out really well last year. He was an elite run blocker, and I think a lot of – probably his most underappreciated part of his game is his athleticism in space as an offensive lineman. Um, you can teach pass pro. You can. You can't teach raw athleticism, and I think that's the biggest thing with Jones and why he is such an intriguing prospect. You can teach hand fighting. You can teach technique. You can teach things like that. As long as the guy's an athlete, you can usually figure that out. So either way, they still need to bring in a, a beefy beefy boy on the outside, and, and I agree with you. I would rather see PJJ over Skaronsky as well. Looking at the defensive side of the ball here, Juice, though, 
two defensive ends pass rushers that a lot of people have on the radar. You know, Anderson's likely gone. They've taken themselves probably out of that conversation here with moving all the way back to nine. He's probably going to go in the top five picks. He's, he's going to be an elite pass rusher at the next level. So that kind of brings you to that next tier of guys. And, and two names here that we're going to digest are Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson and Iowa's Lucas Van Ness. Scott, if you are still listening, I already know who you're <laughs> picking. But I would like to hear what you have to say about these two and who would you rather have if the Bears have an option to take one or the other. So my sister and my brother-in-law went to University of Iowa. They're Hawkeyes. So we watch a lot of Iowa football game and a lot of Big Ten uh, during the college football season. I did see a lot of Lucas Van Ness. I like his versatility across that defensive line, the ability to play inside, the ability to play outside. I think that there's a lot of potential there. And I have watched a little bit of, of Wilson as well. I think I'm going to go with, with Lucas Van Ness in there just strictly because I like his versatility. And that's going to be kind of like a, a a node to the next two that we're going. Who's you know who we're picking here? Because I think in today's NFL, the ability to play a different position and move people around to get pass uh, to get pass rush is the way the game's going. No, you're not just putting a guy on the outside. I, I very much like Lucas Van Ness's play because I think he's smart. I think he has a lot of good athletic ability as well, but he can move around that defensive line. And that's something that I think that the Bears could really capitalize in these next couple picks. Mm -hmm. If there are there, you can get guys that can move around that defensive line and create more pass rush within the aggregate than, you know, having that guy like Will Anderson where you just plop him one place and he can do both. You know, like he can just get to the quarterback. I think it's interesting to play that that idea. I, I want to see them – get guys on that line with some versatility because injuries happen and who knows, you know, where you're going to have to play a guy. And, and I think Lucas Van Ness can do that. Yeah. hundred percent. I think Van Ness is such an intriguing prospect. Obviously he's listed as an edge. So a guy that you would expect more often than not to be coming off the outside. But I, I think between the two, right with Van Ness, he feels like he's a little more complete already in terms of as a pass rusher. Wilson, I think the real upside with him is the elite explosion off the line mm -hmm. because he's already an elite run defender on the line. I mean, he he's chased down running backs, you know, four gaps over with ease. He's big, he's long. He can definitely you can teach the the pass rush moves in order to make him an elite edge rusher at the next level. I think the the Van Ness versatility is a big deal. But something that's already well documented now throughout this offseason as well to keep in mind here with a guy like Van Ness, he's a Barrington kid. He's local. Ah, I love it. Man, it's, local. it's going into that whole and Ryan Poles <laughs> has already been on record saying he likes the local kids because they have seen what good Chicago Bears football looks like and how this city is when the team is good. And having that little bit of kind of extra chip on your shoulder because it is your hometown squad. I, I think that reason alone, if it came down to it and you put a gun to Ryan Poles' head, I think he's he's leaning Van Ness on that send as well. And Scott, obviously big Iowa guy, uh, is, is screaming from the rooftops. Van Ness all day long. Keeping it on the defensive line here, Juice, and I'm going to butcher this name, and I am so sorry. <laughs> Quentin, Quentin knows this name like the back of his heart. I am, I am still practicing, and if he ends up being a bear, I'm going to really have to practice. But we're looking at two Big Ten defensive linemen here, uh, interior defensive lineman Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, or huh, 
Adatamawa Adabari. I know I fucked that up. Uh, we call him Tom. I know that's what, what Q was calling him. We're going to call him Tom in this case. Uh, but obviously of the Northwestern Wildcats. Both interior guys. Um, Tom played a lot of outside just out of necessity last season, Juice. Uh, but as Q has noted on this show previously, probably profiles more as an interior guy um, in the future. So I will, I will give you the floor first here as well. Uh, which one of these guys would you rather pick if you're the Bears? Going with double A. I love the Northwestern kid. Watch the, like I said, again, watched a lot of Big Ten this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we need that three technique. I think the kid's got enough to, to make some noise for that. I mean, I don't know if you're going to have the guy at this pick, right? You're trying to find a, maybe a rotational piece or at least a guy that, you know, you can plug and play next to the guy, right? He just has that type of game, in my opinion. You can get to the quarterback. He plays the run well. He's, he's, like you said, going to project to be that three technique. And I think that the Bears very much could give him a shot at doing that this year because as we talked about it, there's probably still going to be some holes on this defense. They're probably going to have to you know, find that next elite interior defensive lineman, maybe in the draft or in free agency going next year. But as a, as a guy next to the guy, I love how he complements the inside. And that's just something that, as I watched his game, that would be my pick, at least for this. Who do you want? I like it. I like it a lot, man. And yeah, I I have to agree. I think Double A brings such an interesting versatility to the table, right? Because you know he is able. You know he does profile more as that three technique in a forty-three defense, and he's a freak athlete. He's really raw, which. As, as Q has said, Q knows the research and has heard a lot more whispers than we have. He's firing up a lot of draft boards because of that freak athleticism. And even though he is raw, it, you can't teach that level of athleticism. And that's what people are infatuated by. I think Keanu Benton, I think, is not a bad pick whatsoever. Another guy that's firing up a lot of boards as well. I just think in this Bears defense, he profiles more as a traditional one technique. I don't think he's out of place as a three technique. I just think he better serves as a one technique in, especially in a Tampa two inspired 43, right? Because of how important that three technique is in terms of, you know, dictating the run game, dictating the the pass rush and, and things of that nature. So uh, in, in agreement with you, I think, if, you know, again, gun to the head, I think you got to take the, the raw upside of a guy like double A. Uh, coming out of Northwestern, knowing that he's probably a project and he's probably not your three tech of the future for at least another season, maybe two. Side note, too, didn't the Bears run the Northwestern Pro Day? So, uh, yeah, just, so. To, yeah. to, just to look deeper into that, you know, I'm sure that they've gotten a really good look at him um, in the drills and things like that. So, that's why I kind of, that's reading the tea leaves. And, and having the, the local flair that we've been talking about, guys who are close to the program, um, I, I very much am uh, with the double A on this one. I like it. We're going to have to make a Bears on Tap t-shirt that says reading the tea leaves uh, just for you, Juice. Uh, it feels like that's going to be a necessary. Uh, reading a the necessary, tea leaves. I love it. Reading the tea leaves. I think that's going to be a necessary piece uh, in the future here. Uh, we're, we're getting down to the end here. We got four more this or that's here, uh, before we sign off for the day. And we're going to look at the running back position here and no, this is not the Bijan Robinsons of the world or any of the top guys like Zach Charbonnet, even though I'd love to see Charbonnet in a bears uniform. We're looking more guys that probably realistically will have better chances of being bears here juice because they're probably not going running back anything higher than maybe the fourth round, uh, probably closer to the fifth round. 
So we're going to compare a set of running backs here. Uh, they both wore orange in college. Uh, one is Syracuse running back Sean Tucker, um, who is, you know, right around that production of, of a, a fourth to fifth round pick. And the guy you're probably quite familiar with here, Juice, uh, and that is running back Chase Brown out of Illinois, uh, who's coming off a very, very spectacular senior season with the Illini. So Juice, floor is yours once again. This or that, which player are you taking if you are the Chicago Bears? You already know, Big Ten juice over here, taking Chase Brown uh, out of this group. I, I love what he he did for Illinois. I mean, he's very versatile. He's able to run outside the tackles. He's very quick. Uh, the Bears kind of need a little bit of that, that out in space kind of type of guy who could run hard, but also you know has that that missed tackle type guy. And Chase was that for a lot of last year. Um, and can carry the load too. I think that we we saw that at Illinois, he was very much the bell cow back type of guy that you know played a lot of the downs, was able to, and I think that that's an asset for him. So I, I think his speed coupled with you know a lot of uh, a lot of missed tackles and things like that, and his his game will fit where I think the Bears are going. So I, I do. I, I pick Chase Brown in this one. Yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm also going to take Brown out of this one. I think the production over the last two years also screams a lot because it was a bit of an underwhelming Illini offense in totality. Um, for you to put up a thousand yards in just ten games in 2021, and then come back with a 12 game, 1600 yard season as a senior, um, definitely a guy that if, if value in my opinion in the fifth round. Um, and again, he doesn't have to come in and, and be the superstar because you have a three-headed monster already back there. He can learn a little bit from some of these guys, and inevitably when a guy maybe like Deonta Foreman moves on next offseason, you know, maybe you can elevate a guy like Chase Brown into a higher role uh, within the offense moving forward. So I am there with you as well. Uh, so far, Juice, we are on the same page the whole way through, and maybe we finally find a spot here where we'll disagree here just a smidge. Um, but we're going to go to the cornerback position, Juice. You noted this position earlier uh, about the number nine pick, and if the Bears were to go that direction, that you wouldn't be disappointed. Let's talk about the top two corners on the board here. Would you rather go with University of Oregon's Christian Gonzalez, or would you go with the Illini product, Devin Witherspoon? Let me preface this with saying I don't think that you can go wrong with either. It just Agreed. comes down to scheme and fit. And – in terms of Devin Witherspoon, he is very well-rounded. But that speed from Christian Gonzalez is elite. And I think speed kills in today's NFL. So when you look at this pick, I will take Christian Gonzalez over I would, I would take Devin Witherspoon. I don't think that it's that far off but between both of them. I think they're going to both be great players at the NFL level. I just look at Gonzalez and his potential and his athleticism, and I, I like that just a little bit better than I like Devin Witherspoon. So that that's would that would be my, my corner move uh, if I were to take a corner that early. I think it would be Christian Gonzalez. I appreciate that we finally disagree here, Juice. Uh, agreement that I don't think it's a big difference in either one. Uh, they're both elite players. They are the clear top tier of cornerbacks in this draft class. There's no doubt about that for a single second. I think just from a schematic standpoint, I think the Witherspoon makes a lot of sense, and here's why. 
he he's definitely much more of a hard hitter. I think he's going to support the run game well on the outside. Uh, we saw, I feel like his hit early in the college football season was on every highlight reel this year of defensive plays and big hits. But I think something that Quinton brought up on the last show that he and I did with the draft wheel, that is a, an incredibly good point. Weatherspoon was brought to Illinois by Lovey Smith. And Lovey Smith's system is very comparable to that of Iberflus's in terms of the Tampa 2-inspired 43. Clearly, there was a scheme fit there bringing him to Illinois. I think that's why there would be a scheme fit as well, pairing him with a guy like Jalen Johnson, who is kind of a, a more physical, bigger corner on the outside, uh, and why that would make a lot of sense. Again, I don't think you go wrong either way with either one of these picks, um, but I just think from that standpoint alone, I think that would be my reason for for choosing a guy like Weatherspoon over Gonzalez. But again, cannot go wrong with either of those top corners in this coming draft. Now let's move back to the offensive side of the ball here, Juice. And we're actually going to look uh, probably at the one position I would make the argument right now that, you know, we know they're probably going to take a tackle at some point in this coming draft. The center position is probably the one position that it's a lot of, well, what are you going to get here? And this is something Quentin and I discussed in the last show. Uh, actually, these two specific players, but I want to get your take especially on this. John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, another Big Ten guy. Well, actually, these are both Big Ten guys. Or Joe Tippman from the University of Wisconsin. Which center, given the opportunity juice, are you drafting as the Chicago Bears? See, I've I've been on the JMS train for a very long time, but then reading the, the tea leaves, reading the tea leaves, um, <laughs> the Bears were just at. Uh, Wisconsin scouting Joe Tippmann. So I I think if, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that way. I still like JMS just a little bit better. Um, I like his his build. I like the, the smartness that he has. And I think that either way, I, I think you're going to get a good player. But I just like JMS just a little bit better based on the fact of, of, of his strength and his, his size and agility. I think that that's something that he's able to uh, – to use real well at the NFL level post it. Like I said, I'm, I'm just reading that they were at Tittman's, um workout or they, they ran a workout for him uh, as of recently. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I think that when we look back at the draft, well, if these two are there, we're going to very much parallel their careers and play the what if game, right? There'll be a lot of question in terms of like if the bears went this route and if they're able to go, and pick between both of them, and, and you, you, there may be some buyer's remorse one way or the other. So it'll be interesting to see you know, the way that they handle this uh, this pick and that position because I think that it's a lot more important than people are kind of you know th- kind of glossing over at least a little bit. Like you said, they're going to pick somebody at this position, I think, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there's been as much talk about the center position as to how important that's going to be for Justin Fields and for the line for the next – you know, six, seven years too. If hopefully you're getting, you know, a premier player at that position, it is important to have that interior guy because like, I'm sure, you know, Ron, they communicate very often and, and set people in the right spots from the center position. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who they go with here. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of intelligence will be behind this pick. The, the more and more often that position, it's, football moxie it's it's knowing the game and i think that that position you very much need to scout probably deeper than any of them because it is Mm. the interior it's so important we saw last year when you don't have a premier center how easy it is 
to blow up that line and get pressure from up the middle. And when that happens and Justin's got to flare out, he's running into the guys that you pay big, big bucks to take the quarterback down and put pressure on him. And uh, yep. the Bears got to shore that up real quick. So you're, so you like in this case, you you're a bigger fan of one Mister John Michael Schmitz. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I I agree. I, this is such a toss up of a pick. I I really think it's it's what what direction do the Bears front office want to go at the center position? Because as Quentin and I discussed on the show last week, John Michael Schmitz is you know. He maybe has the lower ceiling, but perhaps has the higher floor, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You, you can probably put him into a box in terms of knowing exactly what he's going to be at the next level. I think he's a 10-year starter at the next level as a center. I think he's a very good center. I just don't know if he's ever an all-pro center. I think that's really the big difference here with a guy like him. He's he's exactly what you're looking for. He's coming in. He's smart, plays in the Big Ten, knows what he's doing. Um, and, and is just, again, your prototypical center build. And I think a lot of common football fans, just people that have never maybe played the game or never been around it enough to understand the game, don't know how important the center position is to the offensive line. It might be the most important position to the offensive line because of the amount of, you know, knowledge that is required, um, you know, what they need to do in order to, to you know, continue moving around and, and how, you know, some teams like their centers to help call protections too, which I think is something very key that a lot of people don't understand is, you know, when the, you, everybody jokes, right? You, you, you'll see people when they try to mock a center, they get doubted. All right, this guy, this guy. No, he's pointing out because he's legitimately communicating with the rest of the line. Hey, right. that's the mic. We're working to him. That's where the protection's going. Hey, you know, we're working to this guy. Hey, be sure you got an out-out over here on the other side. You got an edge rusher coming that we got to pick up. You know, we got to do this. You got to do that. You know, if an interior blitz is coming, you got to let that end go and let the guy, the hot guy be hot in the read because we got to secure the interior. Center is a very important position on the offensive line. And I played center for probably more of my life than I played any other position on the offensive line. And I can respect the position and I appreciate the position. I think if I had the Bears, I think Tipman's upside is why it, he might be the pick because he's more fascinating because he's a freak athlete. And you see what the Eagles do with a guy like Jason Kelsey, who is a freak athlete at the position and can move. It it, it definitively gives you different schemes and looks and, and abilities in the run game, in the screen game. There's so much more you can do when you have a center that's just as athletic as some of your tackles in the NFL. So uh, I would lean a little bit more towards Hitman, but again, I really don't think there's a bad way you could go if one of these two picks were to be the guy here uh, for the Chicago Bears. And one final this or that for you, Juice. We're going to go look at a little bit of later round receivers here. Assuming they don't go with a guy like JSN or, or a Johnson or any of those cats at the top of the draft. We're going to look at a pair of guys later on. Tennessee's Jalen Hyatt or SMU's Rasheed Rice. If you were the Bears, which one of these two would you take in this final this or that? I like Rasheed Rice. I don't know why. I just do. If you look at if you look at his speed, his catchability, he's got it. Um, I really like his athleticism. I think that that's kind of like a maybe a, a sneaker pick down there. Um, you're looking at a guy that uh, can contribute probably pretty right away. Um, get in that room and and, and you know run, be, be a guy who's a rotational piece, learn the game. But I do. I like uh, I like Rasheed Rice a little bit. 
Yeah, and and quite honestly, uh, a guy that I also agree with here, Juice, uh, I also like Rasheed Rice a little more. And when watching the tape, I think the biggest thing with Hyatt is some of his biggest plays and his biggest catches, he's wide open. There's yeah. not a guy within yards of him. And he is, he is just by athleticism score the better athlete, I think, of the two. Um, they're about the same size. Rice is six one. Hyatt's about six foot. Uh, Hyatt runs a little faster in the forty, a four four versus a four five one from Rice. I think the thing that really stands out to me with Rice, his hands are slightly bigger, nine inch versus nine and a half inch hands for the two of them. But I think Rice, you watched his highlights, and SMU is his highlights from SMU. He, so many contested catches, and he's he's winning those 50-50 balls. You don't see Hyatt really making those kind of catches. And I think, you know, we've heard Ryan Poles already on record express how different each of the receivers are in that room, especially in that top three with Claypool and Mooney and, and now DJ Moore. I think Rice is the one guy maybe in that group that gives you a little something different, right? Like Claypool's your mega monster, huge receiver. DJ Moore is your technician and your your in-space kind of guy. And then Mooney's your burner. I think Rice kind of gives you a little bit of that maybe more possession receiver. He's over yeah, the middle. Yeah, that go up and get it. The go up and get it guy that Claypool kind of is in, in some facets as well. But just especially with a young quarterback who's who's developing, you know, you have your burner in Mooney. And guys like DJ Moore can take the top off too. We saw it plenty in, when he was in Carolina. And even Claypool can take the top off in his own right. I would rather have a guy like Rice who's going to be able to win those 50-50 balls for a developing quarterback like Justin Fields rather than the guy that if you watch his highlight tape, he's just he's always open because, unfortunately, he's not always just going to be 30 yards open in the NFL. You're going to get a lot of these aggressive corners that are jamming him at the line. Can he get off? Rice is used to the contact. You've seen it in his highlight film. You've seen it in his tape, and I think he's a guy that might translate a little better. Again, late-round receivers are never a hit for sure anyway. But I think if you're if you're going to take the flyer on one of these two guys, I'm also going to lean Rasheed Rice. So, so what you're saying is, is Hyatt had the Kevin White tape then? The I'm wide kind open of. all the time. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I don't think he's a bet. He's a good athlete. But again, like I'm a firm believer that there's two things in my opinion that translate to the NFL incredibly well as a wide receiver. And if I'm a GM, they're the first two things I'm looking at. It's how does he handle aggressive coverage? And can he win 50-50 balls? And how good of a route runner are you? Can you run the mm-hmm. route tree? Because I don't give a shit how fast you are. If you can't run routes, you aren't, you're not going to get open. That's plain and simple. That's why I think a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba is so intriguing for the Bears because he is an elite route runner. He runs the route tree, and he moves so quickly in short space. And that really is the difference in getting open in the NFL. And – you know, there, there's a great film. I believe it's from Underdog Fantasy. Um, Steve Smith does a lot of work with them uh, on social media. And he talked about JSN and specifically about, you know, how his his tape translates to the NFL. He is the epitome of a guy that works well in, in a little bit of space. Like he is... He's the exact guy that you put in the slot that's the safety blanket for a guy like Justin Fields because he's going to get open and his contested catches and just freak athletic catches that he made at the collegiate level are second to none. I, I think there's no guy in this draft class that even sniffs that level of tape in, in terms of looking at that. So I, I get the fascination with a guy like JSM, but I think that's also why a guy 
in my opinion, again, in this in this one for one comparison here, I would rather have the guy like Rice, who clearly has shown me on tape he can go up and get it against corners, versus a guy who, yeah, maybe he's making a lot of big plays and that's great, but ninety five percent of the time it's because he's wide the hell open and there's not a soul within you know a, a stone's throw of him on the football field because that's just not realistic at the next level. But and that's juice, fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, man. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. That was that was a blast. Uh, I'm glad we got to do a little this or that for anybody that might have joined us late on the show here. We're just, just playing a little bit of, you know, this guy or that guy. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. Continue to be on the lookout. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Quentin's going to have plenty of, of incredible content coming out for the draft as well. I am also going to be hopefully putting out some written content around the draft here over the next two weeks. Uh, really going to settle in. I think Sunday with it being a cold, rainy day in the Chicagoland area feels like the perfect opportunity to me to not leave my house and watch a lot of uh, collegiate films. So I will be hopefully writing up some stuff. Uh, for the coming weeks as well. And then be on the lookout with us here at Bears on Tap for what uh, our draft content really is going to be. Um, there will be content. We're, we're still figuring out what that strategy looks like, though, uh, in terms of during the actual draft itself and then obviously following the draft as well, you know, with a post-draft show uh, that ideally all three of us will be on and, and be able to break down and we'll really be able to pick Quentin's brain then at that point too and, and what he likes and dislikes about a lot of these picks after all the extensive film he has watched so far leading up to the NFL draft juice. Before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody bears on tap one or two official podcasts that cover the Chicago bears here at the on tap sports network. You got us at bears on tap on Twitter. Uh, we don't have an Instagram just yet. But maybe be on the lookout for that. That I think that's going to change come, uh, come this fall. Um, and be sure again, check out our friends over at bears nation, uh, the bears nation podcast uh, at bears nation pod on Twitter. Uh, they do a great job, great show that those two put on. Uh, Jake and Kevin, they're awesome guys as well. So be sure to be giving them some love and some appreciation as well as we continue to roll with them on the platform. Now, got the whole thing, Bulls and Hawks. Uh, plenty to keep up with there with Bulls on tap and four feathers. And we got both baseball teams covered. You're seeing uh, Cubs on tap 2.0 here between Juice and I here today. Uh, we're running double duty, as, uh, as Scott said earlier on <laughs> in the show today. Uh, we are yep. running double duty today. Um, you know, so be sure to be checking out all that as well, especially now that baseball's ramping up and the other sports are starting to wind down a little bit for the summer. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to scratch that itch, uh, we hope you'll join us over at either Cubs on tap, or if you do root for the Southsiders and Hey, that's okay. Um, our buddies over at Sox on tap do a great job covering them as well. And as we noted, big game tonight for the bulls in the play in, uh, as Jeremy here says, go bulls. We agree. Uh, it'd be nice to see them get a win, uh, in a very crucial playing game tonight against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, follow us as well. I am at Loose on Tap. Juice is at Juice on Tap. And be sure, if you are not following him already, you're doing yourself a disservice. Go follow our boy Q at Butkus Stats on Twitter. Also follow our gambling guys because we're, we're probably going to see a lot of them come the regular season. Uh, we're hoping to get them involved from a gambling and, and Bears betting standpoint quite a bit throughout the year uh, at Beat on 300 at Joey Knows Nothing. Do a great job holding it down over at On Tap Bets. Once again, at Bears on Tap and follow us everywhere, www.ontapsportsnet.com, at ONTAP Sports on social media, the ONTAP Sports Network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Juice, it's always a pleasure, buddy. This was fun. A little this or that NFL draft style. Next show, uh, Quentin will be back with us. Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll have full barns from here on out as the NFL draft approaches. And once again, be on the lookout as we will be 
indicating and, and giving out a little more information surrounding what our plan is for the draft in terms of content. So you can be in the know and in the conversation with us as the Bears are making their picks at the end of April. From myself, Ron Luce, and my boy Juice, uh, until next time, buddy, we'll get out of here with a good old bear down. And fuck the Packers. <laughs>